back themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. And Golden State. Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. See, Graham, what's good? And we are back with another episode of Views from the Clutch. As always, I'd like to take this moment out to say thank you to our listeners, supporters, and subscribers. If you would like to join us, you could do so by leaving the podcasting platforms we are hosted on. You could reach us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Instagram and Facebook. Just like that. Back at it. What's going on, brother? Yes, sir. No, Marsh just want to do a quick R.I.P. to Elgin Baylor. It was a Absolutely. R.I.P. to the Laker legend, man. R.I.P. to the Laker legend, Elgin Baylor, man. Elgin Baylor, for those who may not know, if you're from a younger generation, he is the man who inspired the one great Michael Jeffrey Jordan and some of his aerial tactics that he began deploying when he started his illustrious career. So he's one of the early Skywalkers. I mean, there obviously are a collection of them that we can go through as far as vintage NBA history goes, but Elgin, Bay- Elgin Baylor is one of those who started in the black and white era skywalking sky and transitioned into mm-hmm. the color era skywalking and only only ended his career because he was one of the first to tear his Achilles. Yeah. But Elgin, Elgin Baylor is a Laker legend, formed a, um, one, of the, one of the early big threes himself, Jerry West and um, Will Chamberlain, Mm-hmm. We're part of that legendary Laker team that once had the greatest all-time regular season record in NBA history. Facts. So RIP to Laker legend and basketball legend Elgin Baylor, 86 years old. Um, we're back at it though, man. We're back at it. Yes, What's sir. In the NBA. I've been kind of, I've been kind of in and out, tapped in, tapped in and out. Um, for what I know, the the Knicks took a really, really, really close loss recently? What was it, last night? Yeah, last night. Nights ago? Last night. It was last, last night. night. Mm-hmm. Last night. They lost by one point uh, to Philadelphia, who beat them for the second time in the last three games. And each game was close. The first game uh, a couple of nights ago, they lost by three. But this game last night was one point. They had op- – and it was an overtime. Um, Julius Randle hit a baseline three, forced it to overtime, and then – um, a couple of um, controversial calls from the referees swayed in the favor of Philadelphia. And actually it was a weird, mm. weird, weird last bit of the game because um, I forgot who it was. The Knicks went up four, right? Knicks went up mm-hmm. four uh, with about about a minute to go. Then um, Danny, Green, Danny Green hit a three in the corner, pushed the Knicks up um, – I mean, then hits the three in the corner. Now, Knicks is still up one now. He's come down the court, uh, missed the shot or whatever. Philadelphia comes down the court. They, uh, I forgot exactly who shot. I think it was Shake Milton that 
missed a shot, right? Here comes Tobias Harris. The Knicks is looking at the shot. Unfortunately, nobody boxes out. Tobias Harris comes running in. Julius Randle get an arm on him, but it's real light. I didn't think they call like a push, but it could have went. Honestly, it really was a bad call. You know, even even as an I'm a Knicks fan, but still kind of looking at it like with that happened with like five seconds left in the game. So it's kind of like ref. Why would you even call it? Also, the referees only had two refs. There's normally three referees at a game, but one of them was out due to uh, contact tracing, COVID protocols. So they only played with two refs, but the referee called it, and then the Knicks called a timeout, which everybody thought they appeared to challenge it instead of sending. Because again, it looked like it could have been a knock, an easy knock call. If not. You got Tobias Harris going to the line with Philadelphia down one. Somehow, some way, they took a huge long timeout break, but then they come out the timeout and there's no challenge. And the Knicks is furious. They argue with the referees like, "Yo, we 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 set the thing to challenge." The referees is like, "Nah, you got ain't nobody challenged. You ain't challenging enough time." So that was a crazy situation. And then, of course, uh, Tobias Harris, he go you know ninety eighty percent free throw. Almost 90% free throw shooter knocks down both free throws. Philadelphia is up 101 to 100 now. Boom. Uh, the inbound, the next inbound of ball, Julius Randle driving down the court. At that point, it's like, you know, three seconds left or whatever. He shoots like a um, in between elbow and three point line jump shot, rolls out, game over. So the Knicks was furious at the end. Uh, rightfully so. Like I said, mm-hmm. Knicks fan, you know, like I said, yes, he could have, he should have. Should have boxed out, rule number one. You know what I mean? But for what happened and in, in that type of pressure situation in the game, that little push they called was just nine times out of ten, they're not calling that in the regular game, even if the game ain't on the line. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't like it was a drag. Like, it's almost like he pushed him into the rebound, but the dude just didn't grab the ball. Somebody else was there. So if anything... Yo, he, you know what I mean? Like, he could have just left it alone. I, I think that was a bad call for the refs. But, again, of course, New York, every Nick fan and every media outlet, is that's one of the big talks about the situation. And, um, fortunately, that's what happened as a Nick fan. Like I said, the Knicks had a chance to go to be tied for fifth had they won. Um, but now they're still currently in the seventh spot. So, I mean, I can't, I can't call it. So as currently constructed, as currently constructed, what do you see the ceiling being for the Knicks? I mean, as, as currently constructed, I was just having because there's only three days left in the trade deadline, and they play the Wizards. Um, they play the Wizards tomorrow, and they play the Wizards. I think on the night of the trade deadline, I really feel like the Knicks. Again, also another thing, the Knicks were again without Derrick Rose, who I think on the original podcast last episode I said that he was out due to contract tracing. But come to find out, they actually said he was he he tested positive for COVID, so he was out. Mm-hmm. So he's but he's he's cleared to get well. Yeah, but bro. he's cleared to play now because he was. I think he they according, I think he caught COVID during the All Star break because he hadn't played since before the All Star break. Um, mm-hmm. so and originally, it was um they're just not a hundred percent sure. Uh, actually, according to the um ESPN report. He's not 100% uh, clear to play for tomorrow's game. It's kind of like a uh, – he's, he's, I think he's labeled as questionable, you know, or he might be a game-time decision. Um, so, you know. Uh, like I 
said get well. D-Rose. Yeah, because it caught him to D Rose. COVID is not something to play. Yeah, because he said it was like it's nothing like the flu. It was like ten times. Uh, he says I, I no. He says they they say everybody's different. I had the flu, and this is, this yeah. is ten times worse. Yeah, so Oof. you know what I mean. But they say yeah, because he hadn't played since um. Yeah, because he missed the final two games before the All Star break, and he missed all six games uh, in the second half of the season. Post yeah, post All Star break. So you know, speaking of um, speaking of COVID, switching the cloth a little, um, the NBA has released updated protocols that basically induce or endorse or promote the idea of. NBA players, coaches, staff, employees getting the vaccine. And if they are subject to getting the vaccine and validate that they did get the vaccine, then almost, and I'm just going to use a percentage because it's easier to quantify, almost 75% of the COVID restrictions go away. So again, like I've stated since this whole situation began, the NBA has always been at the forefront in regards to their they're mixing science with, with what they go out and do as an organization. And here's another example of the NBA being progressive in inducing NBA players to go out and get the vaccine. Now, feelings aside on how people feel about the vaccine, the consequences and benefits that the NBA players, coaches, and staff stand to gain from actually getting the vaccine do you anticipate the the vaccine being something that becomes widespread amongst NBA players? Um, honestly, I don't think so. I don't think. I think. I think. You know, unfortunately, uh, I really feel like because these NBA players really love their freedom. You know, they do. So, I mean, that's the only thing. That's the only thing I would see that will cause a lot of NBA players to get the vaccine because they want to say, you know. Yeah. No more lists. Yeah. No more clearances. Um, you could be amongst friends and family because now you're vaccinated. The, the NBA really has, like, essentially, like I said, when I say 75%, I'm probably being conservative in regards to how many of the different restrictions and rules and regulations you're subject to just by simply being vaccinated that you become exempt from. I, I mean... I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really want to, you know, go course, too depth with it, but I just wanted to put it out there that the NBA has once again continued to show that they're one of the most progressive sports leagues in the world with their treatment of ever evolving pandemic and how they allow their players to navigate that. So, you know, mm-hmm. in regards to how people personally feel about the vaccine, you still have to put some credit forward to, to what they're trying to do, which is to induce people to do whatever they can to protect themselves, protect the product, protect the brand. And potentially, you know, if you have an entire, if you have an entire league of players who are vaccinated, that almost opens the door for you to let all the fans back in. Because if everybody on the court is safe, it don't matter what they can catch, right? I don't know. That seems to be the NBA. I mean, maybe, yeah, yeah. I, mean I, I don't know if that's necessarily yeah, true. Yeah, that's the whole because there's varying strains, exactly. and of course, and of course, somebody could, you know, be in the arena with a strain that the the vaccine doesn't account mm-hmm. for or hasn't been proven to be effective against. So, of course, that does leave you vulnerable to that possibility. But that possibility is being considered remote. So, again, NBA players, NBA staffs, they they have a lot to think about in these coming days. 
a lot of people's fundamentals and virtues will be tested by, you know, because it's going to be that one guy's like, I'm anti-vax. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Y'all crazy. Y'all crazy. But then all his teammates can go out and eat anywhere they want. And now he's stuck eating off of the, <laughs> the NBA mandated COVID. Exactly. How long before he succumbs to peer pressure or the isolation that comes with not being a vaccinated player when all of your teammates are? So I feel like there's a there's a group speak mentality to, to what the NBA has going on. And I think that it's a situation as leadership members of each respective team, because, you know, each team has a player representative on their mm-hmm. roster. If those guys go out and say, hey, man, I'm going to go and do this, man. And then they everybody gets to see the fringe benefits of this person deciding to go and get that shot. And then, of course, the follow-up shot. Well, depending on which vaccine you get. But obviously, if you go through the steps to take the vaccine and your coworkers see you're able to do more than they are, your natural reaction is to go jump in the same pool. So it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be something that's going to get discussed or, or reported, but I do know that the NBA released that, you know, that statement about how they would be allowing players who did get vaccinated to be able to move around in a different way, much, much less restrictive. So it is going to be interesting to see how that plays out as the remainder of the season plays out. Um, but back to what's happening on the court. Um, also, uh, Right. Last episode we touched on the Rockets. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was gonna go there. I was just gonna say, and maybe we could say this for right after the Rockets talk. But your man LeBron is out um, with the high ankle sprain. Yeah, LeBron's been out. What is it? This is gonna be the third game in a row. It's been that many? Because I think he got oh, wow. hurt I didn't in know one game. It was that many. Yeah, he he got hurt in one. He got hurt in one game. He didn't play last. The last game they played against Phoenix. Um, he got like hurt I, in like the Atlanta game. To, and, I, and I've spoken to right. And they lost the Atlanta mm-hmm. game. I don't think he finished. No, no, he did not. And did then not. of course he didn't he he didn't finish the Atlanta game after the spring. And then they went out and played Phoenix. Phoenix, you know, won that game. And a high ankle sprain, that's usually a week to ten days, depending on the severity. It mm-hmm. could be anywhere from two to three weeks. No, he's only missed one full on game. Um, a guy like he only missed one full game. So, so I anticipate LeBron probably doesn't come back until the beginning of – well, we're in the beginning of, the, of this week. So maybe he plays by week's end if, if, if it's not a severe sprain. If it's a severe sprain, then we won't be seeing him until probably the middle of next week. Um, yeah, yeah. I keep saying this, and I'm going to keep on saying it. The Lakers now, having endured that bubble championship, they have to have a mentality that's different from almost every other team in the league. Every other team in the league is chasing a title because they, they either want one, they've had one before, or they feel like they can contend for one. Like this NBA season, it doesn't have that, it doesn't have that like banner at the top. Everybody's chasing Golden State. Who's, who's going to lose to LeBron? Um, it, there's not that vibe going on with the NBA. So a lot of these teams are jockeying and fighting, some of them collectively for their playoff lives and others just for the opportunity to be positioned to truly be able to be in a position to compete for a title. The Lakers just know they need to get there healthy. So we can see a Laker team that starts the playoffs in the fourth seed. I don't think they'll slip as far as the fifth. I think they'll find a way to get home court advantage for at least the first round. But I don't think the Lakers truly care, and their record reflects that they truly don't care where they play. They might enjoy playing on the road more. So the Lakers are are dealing with holding water. I don't know what the status is of Marc Gasol. I haven't seen him play in quite a few games. 
And I do believe that that has something to do with the fact that, you know, that young kid has been playing. So I would like to think that if that young kid has been playing, it's because Marcus Hall hasn't been available. Um, Anthony Davis, there still has been no report on what his status is as mm-hmm. far as I know. So um, they've, they, they've got the players that they've got, and they're going to go out there and play really hard and lose. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm looking at the standings. The Lakers without LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Marcus Gasol, you're talking about a team that is organized better than organized better than Minnesota, but talent wise, Minnesota is more talented with that many guys out. No, no, no. I totally get it. I it's think I'm listen, the the um there's blood in the water because the Lakers are only up uh two games from the sixth spot. Well two and a half games from the sixth spot, which is Portland. Um that's motivation for Portland and Denver, who are both tied for uh, that are both two and a half games back at the Lakers, to win as many games before LeBron comes back. So, I think it should be motivation for every team underneath the Lakers to. Oh yeah, like of course. You said, there's blood in the water. How 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 much of a dent can we put into their defending championship hopes? By knocking them as far down the peg as possible. If you make that, if you make that survivor series, that that ladder match that they got to get through, all of a sudden, uh, a royal rumble. Yeah, the odds are not going to be in your favor. Well, and I mean, I think that's what the Lakers were always going to have to contend with. Most NBA defending championships do have exactly. to contend with, but injuries, man, injuries will always be that undetermined, unprepared for. We couldn't account for a factor. That, that shape a, a, a team season. So we saw it happen to Golden State. Mm-hmm. You know, they dragged themselves all the way back to the finals versus Toronto. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, Rex. obviously, if we, if we haven't been able to put it together now, we should be able to say it clearly. The only reason why he came back and played in the finals versus Toronto is because he knew that would be his last opportunity to wear a Golden State uniform, and you might as well win a championship in your last foray out out there, it was in the finals. That's why he did it. Clay Thompson got hurt, and then a year later, Steph Curry got hurt. So that accumulated wear and tear that you get from those deep playoff runs, it will come back to bite you. Anthony Davis was a player who had never advanced past the first round mm-hmm. prior to being a Laker. He plays for the Lakers. He plays all the way to the to the NBA Finals. He plays through injuries. Not necessarily always quietly because there was always, you know, an injury report stating that Anthony Davis was playing through something all throughout the bubble. But he toughed it out. They got the ring. Mm-hmm. Comes back and his body, his body is starting to betray him. Anthony Davis is one of the most talented forwards in the NBA, but he also happens to be one of the most brittle. No, I, 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 and it's a very delicate balance. Definitely. I agree. I totally agree. And <laughs> It's a it's a very delicate balance, and as Le, and LeBron is aging, so what would have been something that he would play or play play through is something that he has to sit out for now. Exactly. So, and we'll see we'll see what happens with that with that ankle because again they have their next the trading deadline they have uh, is on the twenty fifth, so that's in a few days. Uh, we don't you know I mean you're you're the Laker mm-hmm. fan, but I don't know if you know. We never, you just don't know for one hundred percent sure if the Lakers are how serious of players they're going to be in the, by the trading deadline. I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard too many things 
um, again, but you as a Laker fan, you might know, but I'm looking at depending on how they are. If they don't make it, if they stay put, because they're banking on LeBron coming back fine and AD coming back fine and, you know, running the table that way. Uh, they got, you know, let's say LeBron is, they got, uh, they play New Orleans tomorrow night. Then they play Philly. They got Cleveland and Orlando. Uh, or Sunday they play Orlando. So you got four games before the week's over. Depending on how they f- they play, you know, if they could, if, hold on. <coughs> Depend, see, Depending on how that works out, if they if they're two and two, maybe they and then they they play Milwaukee in the thirty first, maybe LeBron sits out. You know what I mean? But if they're zero and four going into that Milwaukee game, there's a strong possibility that that forces LeBron, depending on how he's feeling, maybe to come back a little early. You know, because again, you don't you can't. Mm-hmm. In the West, the way the West is, you losing too much ground. You cannot afford to yeah, get you can't, flooded. You can't, and again, you can't afford to get flooded. And there's no, and there's not much room left to to recover. Exactly. You know what, what are we talking about? A uh, 36 game run from the All Star break to the end of the season, and LeBron misses eight of those games. That's you know, that's close to a third. A third would be 12. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that third of the season back. If this is something that happens before the All Star break, yeah, you say, all right, well, we just come back and win. Exactly. Go on a 10 game winning streak. You can lose four or five in a row now, win 10 in a row, and still be in the same exact place you were because everyone else that you're trying to chase is doing the same thing. Teams Mm -hmm. play different, they play better, they play harder. And as these NBA GMs start to vacate their rosters to basically position themselves, for an opportunity to reload their franchises, we're going to see some players hit the market that we never knew were available, along with players that we know for a fact have been made available. The Hawks made John Collins available, and since they've done that, he started playing out of his mind. Yeah. And the Hawks have won, what, nine straight? Uh, I believe they're, they're at eight or nine. Um, they are currently at uh, eight straight since they made the coaching change, since they fired Lloyd, P- Lloyd Pierce. And replacing with Nate lost. McMillan, they have not lost, and that they're actually with that eight game winning streak, the Hawks went from somewhat basement level uh, record to now they're the fourth seed in the in the East. You know, so that they're, they're actually they're, heck they're the hottest team in the NBA because they're the winners of eight straight. Nobody hotter yeah, than the hottest that. team in the league. Yeah, so, so and, and who's currently coaching but, the Hawks now? Who, who's their interim coach? Nate McMillan. Oh, okay. Big dog Nate. Nate yeah, always Nate McMillan, finds his so. way back to the – he can't get rid of Nate McMillan. He's a basketball lifer, and it's also it, – it's it's redeeming to see him consistently get an opportunity, even when he's not positioning himself for one. Him joining that Atlanta Hawks staff was probably the best move he could have made after losing the Pacers job. Um, and based on the way the Pacers are playing with his replacement coach, it doesn't seem as if they've made any sort of lateral moves with, with their progress as a franchise. So it reflects on Nate, Nate McMillan twice, you know? Mm-hmm. They, they're no better without you. They aren't significantly worse, but they're no better without you than they were with you. And then you go to another team and you install the same principles that you put in place into Indiana, which is don't turn the ball over. 
Let's limit mm-hmm. our mistakes. Let's execute. Let's play base defense. Stick to our principles. We'll be in a position to compete to win every game. And here they are. They reeled off nine in a row. And I think a big part of that is when you add a, a guy like Nate McMillan to your coaching staff and let him take over, he's one of those guys that's going to immediately remove the goofiness. Because Atlanta had mm-hmm. a lot of goofiness going on with Lloyd Pierce as the coach. I don't want to make it seem like he was a bad coach because that's not what I'm saying. I actually think that Lloyd Pierce definitely deserves another job based on what he was able to do with Atlanta. But I think he got caught in that NBA young coach quandary that a lot of teams get caught. Another example of a young coach quandary was um, Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn. They started mm-hmm. messing with the roster and removing all of the players that guys who their ears don't work the same. You got guys who used to be, used to playing for coaches like you know I played for Greg Popovich. We ain't have to do none of this. I played for this coach. We didn't have to do none of this. Yeah, eventually, yeah, yeah. That, lo- that that voice carries in the locker room and it influences the young talent that you may have on the team that you're planning on keeping or that you're still grooming to make moves with. So, you know, you saw Brooklyn categorically flush flush their, their cabinet of pretty much all of the young talent they were developing. Jared Allen is gone. You know, I think the, I think the only real young core player that you could really say that they kept is TL is THTLC. Because I mean, for all that's been said, Spencer Dinwiddie's a veteran. I think he's coming on his sixth, seventh year in the league. You know, Karis Levert may have been in his what, fourth, fifth? But he still mm-hmm. hadn't officially gotten that opportunity to turn the corner. He was he was he was, you know, ringing bells and making noise, but as currently constructed with the way the Nets were, he had to be moved. So I think that going back to Atlanta and Nate McMillan, Nate McMillan is not a guy who's going to let Trey Young do a lot of the goofy stuff that Trey Young gets away with. And I'm not saying that 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 necessarily makes them a better team, but it makes them a more cohesive team because everybody feels like they're on the same page and they don't have to capitulate to the franchise star doing as he pleases. So now, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe their bond has gotten better because everybody's now on the same page and there's no, like we saw after the fact with the Clippers. It, it turns out that everybody on the Clippers roster outside of Paul George and, um, and Kawhi Leonard was miserable. We heard it from Montrez Harrell. We heard it from other players who left the, 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 the Clippers roster. Like, oh man, what they had going on there, it was, you know, it was like high school. These guys get to determine when we practice. And I don't want to be a part of that. We saw Russell Westbrook in, in, in um, Houston. He felt that the way that the Rockets were allowing James Harden to dictate the franchise was not going to be comfortable for him and his work habits, so he has to be traded. So culture changes can be a big part of improving the team without you actually seeing something on the court that gives you a significant tell that, oh, these guys are playing better. They're just not making the same mistakes they used to because they're all more united. So big ups to yeah, the, and sometimes sometimes your you know your voice, voice will fall on deaf ears too. You know what I mean? That's what sometimes is, is like that as well. You just got some guys that just are ready to tune you out because they're already looking, you know, for something else. And again, remember I I called it before the season started about that hawk situation. Yeah, um, that we, he was going to be we, on the hot seat. You know what I mean? That Lloyd Pierce, yeah, yeah, that so, roster and the money that they had spent, I think, were upwards of a hundred plus million. 
have been spent in future salaries and, and committed to this mm-hmm. season. And the players that they had, it was part of the reason why John Collins didn't get an extension that he likes or, or want, wants to accept because, you know, they went out yeah. and paid Gallinari $68 million. And then they, you know, they exactly. took Capella's contract on. And then they signed mm-hmm. Rajon Rondo with, you know, the veteran. And then they, they bought like, uh, Bogdanovich. And then, they, then they bought Bogdanovich in. So it's like you brought in all these guys. And here I am. I've been part of, you know, the foundation. What y'all gonna do for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we we gonna get back to you based on how this how, how this season plays out. Excuse me, what? You know yeah, that can that can do a lot. That that can do a lot. So maybe Nate McMillan had a had a talk with John Collins because it's not as if John Collins all of a sudden gained abilities he didn't have. It just seems like all of a sudden he's more engaged and the ball is going to him more and he's putting it in the hoop more. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> but we started this whole round robin with the Knicks and I'm circling back not just to the Knicks but to what we left off in the last podcast and let's talk about some NBA teams who don't have a chance to win but history has shown that almost every NBA title winner has a team that didn't win the title that should get an honorary ring. Let's go back to 2008 when the Memphis Grizzlies earned an NBA title by giving the Lakers Pal Gasol in exchange for Mark. Let's go to the Golden State Warriors being gifted Kevin Durant because Oklahoma City just couldn't do anything to keep him. There are these title-based transactions that happen between teams that don't have a chance to win or have basically vacated their opportunity to win because they're not winning, and now they have talented players that need to go somewhere and deserve an opportunity. One of those first teams we discussed, and we discussed this off camera, is Orlando. Orlando has an opportunity Mm -hmm. to possibly, in sending players out, shift the balance of the NBA power structure. Whoever gets Terrence Ross now all of a sudden has probably one of the best players coming off their bench in the league that they didn't have before. Mm -hmm. So imagine a guy like Mm -hmm. Terrence Ross joining, let's say, the Clippers. So now you've got Terrence Ross and Lou Williams to deal with, or so on and so forth. Obviously, he's not going to go to a team like the Jazz, who has Jordan Clarkson, and he's firmly entrenched in that role. Mm-hmm. There are other you know, teams. I, I doubt Orlando moves any of the guys that they're looking to move into the East. So I, I can't anticipate you know, um, Terrence Ross winding up in Milwaukee or something weird like that. Yeah, I could, yeah, yeah. I could, if, if, there was, if there was a weird place in the East, I can imagine Terrence Ross going. It would be someplace like Toronto, somewhere where he started his career. But I don't see mm. many teams in the East that would be willing to give up things for him that are in a position to contend. So, you know, I, I don't think he's going to go to a Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is pretty content with what they have as far as their roster is considered. I, I can't see Boston adding another perimeter gun. And Boston is honestly no, they need, for their they playoff need, life. Yeah, because they're currently in the eighth seed. I don't think Indiana's in a position to really What's do any trades after what they did to get Karis LeVert. Um, I know Boston six seed, my bad. Right, so you've got uh, Vucevic, yeah, yeah. you've got Terrence Ross, and you've got Aaron Gordon, who's been announced to be being shot for trade. All three of these players can swing a series. I wouldn't say Aaron Gordon could swing a ring, but he could definitely improve a team akin to he could have. Hold on, let, let me ask you something. Has Blake Griffin played yet? We also got that. You got. Yeah, uh, Blake Griffin played last night. He, he actually, dunked. 
caught a dunk last night. All of a sudden, he got. All of a sudden, his hops come back. All of a sudden, he catches two. So we're going to we're going to revisit the, the Blake Griffin thing because there's a whole theory I have on that that we're going to deal with because we started this theory at the beginning of the season when we discussed James Harden, which is you know the mail in. But back to back to these yeah. teams that don't have a a, a a winning forecast but have players of value. Yeah, because you also got Ev. Uh, Scored of the Magic. Also, you got Evan Fournier, who's about a 19, 18, 19 point scorer, and he's in a final. He's an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. So again, you got pretty much four. You got four the guys. top. Basically, you got the top four scorers on their team. You got Aaron Vucevic. Aaron uh, Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross, and Aaron. and Aaron Gordon. Those four, that's their top four scorers. Those top four scorers, most likely by Thursday, is going to be gone. You know what I'm saying? Because I say at a Aaron minimum, Gordon, two of those guys are gone. I would say they'll be hard-pressed. Okay. I say they'll be hard-pressed, and, and I'm probably going to wind up having to eat these words. I'm saying they'll be hard-pressed to get anything they like for Aaron Gordon. I think they'll be hard pressed to get anything of true value for Vucevic because the va- the trade value on centers is gone. We saw that when they, when Andre Drummond got moved. We saw that with with, with a number of, of big uh, Andre Drummond with, got moved. Oh, he's about last. Um, a couple he years got ago. moved from Detroit Not- to Cleveland, and then when we saw gotcha, Jared gotcha. Allen basically got, get traded just because you know there was no more room on the bus. There was there's almost no return value that that franchises are getting for, for centers, starting centers. And Vucevic mm, is, plus, is an all-star uh, starting center who yeah, can shoot three. Yeah. And will still probably and who's got $42 million left on his contract after the season. So if you move Vucevic, you, you definitely probably have to get a player back because you can't, you can't just do him in a draft pick. So it's going mm. to be interesting to see. I think, like I said, I think he's hard of the, of the four – He's the hardest to move and get something back worth reporting to the media. Aaron Gordon is probably yeah. second because there's no real, there's no real tangible value on what Aaron Gordon is. You know he plays the three oh. slash four. You know he plays the floor, the four slash three. He's not a guy who's gonna go buy you off the dribble. His 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 all of his moves involve him using his athleticism, but not really creating much space to be dominant. So you know, like uh, for instance. Kobe's fadeaway, LeBron's fadeaway. It took advantage of the fact that these guys jump high and can create distance with their with their motion. All of the moves that Aaron Gordon does, he doesn't write in your face. So it's like, yeah, you just did seven moves, but you're still standing right in front of me. I'm just gonna put my hand up. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah, there's exactly. that element to his game where if he's not hot and cooking, he doesn't look as good. So it's I mean, I remember yeah, last year absolutely. he had a phenomenal game against the Lakers. One of the games where like I think he threw the ball at the backboard, caught it and dunked on all the heads, and then he caught another and one. Like he was just acting a fool. And he recently just acted the fool with with, with um a game versus Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Acting the fool. They the, the Magic beat Brooklyn. Aaron Gordon's the leading scorer. I don't want to say he outdueled Kyrie because Kyrie outscored him, but his points turned out to be more valuable for his team than Kyrie's 40 plus. So Mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon's one of those guys. He his value depends on on the eyes of the observer. Like I said, with Terrence Ross, you know he's a known commodity. You plug him in off the bench, you give him his shots, he's gonna give you double digit points. With Evan Fournier, yeah. you know what you're gonna get. You're gonna get a steady hand. You're gonna get you're gonna get you're gonna get replacement level starting guard defense, and you're gonna get above average perimeter shooting. 
He's not really much going to the mm-hmm. basket, but he can't get to the basket because the threat of the jump shot allows defenders to, you know, overreact to his dribble moves and get him into the paint. He can't create a little. He, he's a good player. I do see him as a player yeah. who you put him in the right situation. He can definitely swing a series because you leave a guy like you leave a guy like Fournier open eight times. He might give you six of those threes. And that might just be enough to send a team packing. Guys like that, their value shows up in, in those series where teams don't properly game plan or can't account for everybody. And he's that one guy that they say, you know what, we're going to rotate off of him and hope he doesn't kill us. Whereas on Orlando, yeah. he could be the focal point of their defense because they're just not as good. So with Orlando yeah, and right. their players, you see, you see four players. And I think it's in Orlando's best interest. To, to start accumulating assets. You've got two of your best players who are hurt and out for the season in Isaac and Markel Fultz. You've drafted a young point guard in Cole Anthony. You might as well see what he can do. Um, Mo Bamba, definitely you need to figure out what you're going to do with him because I think he's in his third season or maybe even his fourth. So you either got to extend him or be prepared to trade him. So you might as well figure out mm-hmm. if you can make a move with him. You can't do that as long as you're giving Vucevic all those front court minutes because it's proven that Mo Bamba's not fast enough to play alongside Vucevic. So what are you going to yeah. do? You know what Vucevic is. If somebody's willing to take him off your hands and give you what you want, you got to flip him because Vucevic is what, age 28, 29? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's not going to be a part yeah. of – he's not going to be a part of Orlando's sudden rise to the, to the top of the Eastern Conference. That's three, four years from now. And there's nothing that Orlando yeah, no, actually has he's that 30. can show. 30. So, yeah, he's in his prime. you got to move him. And he's in his prime mm-hmm. contract. So you you move him yeah. now. You don't have to worry about a pending extension because he's still doing what he always did for you and you're not wanting to lose him because, you know, he's a fan favorite, this, that, and the third. Yeah, you got to make that move. you got to make that move. I think Toronto is in a situation where they're going to become a player in the, in the market. He has made it clear that he's not sure what's going to happen to him. We're going to find out soon. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at like, yeah, because again, you have, you have uh, the Rock Houston. We I mean, the winners, are, I mean, the losers are twenty in a row, and they still not, and they still don't have the worst record in the NBA, which is crazy. Um, they they have a possible situation where, like you said, Oladipo might go. Uh, they just traded PJ Tucker. You got um, Eric Gordon on that roster, who who's a viable six man that they might want to figure out if there's any trade suitors for. Um, you got a team like Sacramento, who I'm surprised Luke Walton still got a job, but they got a they got Marvin Bagley, who's unhappy, who's um could be could be possibly you know swung for something who's you know still on his rookie scale contract. Because again, again, I don't we've even spoken think about he was, the Kings um, and the players that they can make available. I know you think uh-huh. he's untouchable, but based off of what Halliburton's done, I think you move off of De'Aaron Fox and get something. Oh, I think can. every time I see him play, I'm, 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 I'm starting to come to that conclusion that, yo, I'm not. I would not be surprised. You just gave him that deal, but I feel like either you. If you don't move him, then you got to move Buddy Hill because what's the point of Helen Hallenberg, the um, the 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 rookie who's doing pretty good coming off the bench? What's the point of having him? But then also you got Harrison Barnes there as well. Um, 
So you got a, quite a few people that could be assets. I mean, I think um, Marvin Bagley is, you know, he's due, he's due about 11 million for next season. And he's only got 8 million the rest, you know, for the rest of this year. But that's a player, a young player who's only like about in his early twenties, you know, about four, four years in the league. That's uh six eleven that that can shoot the you know fifteen footer, you know that can provide can you know rebounding. I mean, he can actually step out to the three. I okay. mean, Marvin Marvin Bagley is one of those new era bigs. You know, he's he's he's. If Carl Anthony Towns is in young bigs, I'm saying young bigs so that we can quantify this correctly. If Carl Towns is in the 98th mm-hmm. percentile of young bigs, I would say Marvin Bagley is low value Carl Anthony Towns at like an 88 meaning that he doesn't have it all put together but he has some of the exact same skill set now obviously Carl Anthony Towns was way more way, way more refi- refined in the post when he got to the league you know Marvin Bagley yeah, still yeah, got yeah. some Marvin Bagley still got some rough roughness to the to his edges but he has that same mm-hmm that same level of versatility that he can give you as a big. He can play on the inside. He can step outside. He can run the floor. He can play above the rim. I don't know about his defense because when you play for Sacramento, it's not exactly, you know, defined if you're actually out there playing defense or if you're just playing which one of us is going to take the ball out. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, Luke Walton's the coach. But, yeah, you, you said you just named what? One, two, three, four pieces. You said Bagley. Yeah. You said Harrison Barnes. I said De'Aaron Fox. Uh-huh. You mentioned Buddy Hill. They're not going to move Halliburton. Yeah. No, heck no. So you're going to bank on Halliburton. No. And if you're actually in it to bottom out, then maybe those four players, I say if you had to rank them on most likely to get moved, who's the most likely to get moved out of Sacramento? I say Harrison Barnes, simply because he's a proven Yeah, commander. I totally agree. I totally say agree. Harrison And then Barnes. I also look at and he's one of those oh, guys. He's got three more years. Huh? Who has some bond? Yeah, he signed a four-year, eighty million something dollar deal, I think. So a team, yeah, four-year, eighty-five uh, two yeah. years ago. Yeah, so a team taking him is likely going to be a team that believes they can contend for multiple seasons. He's not just going to go to some like you know. I don't. I can't see like the Miami Heat taking his contract instead of being able to jump back into free agency with all of the money that they've been able to, you know, save by mm-hmm. simply keeping everything in-house. Shout out to the Heat, who seem to have, again, positioned themselves to be right back in the same situation they were in last year, where they're right in the middle of the pack, ready to pounce on whichever one of these top seed teams isn't ready to deal with their energy. Um, another team with players to move, like you already spoke to with, with Houston and their situation, obviously it's going to be very tough to move John Wall again, and I don't think Houston wants to move John Wall. I think they're actually happy with him. The Oladipo situation is confusing to me, but I can see why they would be willing to part ways with Oladipo because Kevin Porter Jr. has been brought in. And they got Kevin Porter Jr. for a bag of chips and some hot wings. So you got a guy yeah, who everybody compared. Much. You got a guy who everybody compared and called the next James Harden while he was still in college on your team. Mm-hmm. And he's a two guard. Yeah. And you've got Oladipo. So those two guys are likely not going to be able to coexist. So you're going to want to move one. You're going to probably mm-hmm. take the one with the youth and potential as long as Kevin Porter Jr. keeps his head on straight. He's healthier. He's healthier than Victor. Yeah, and he's cheaper. So exactly, you don't have to worry about a new contract. You don't have to, which Oladipo turned down. So yeah, 
So Oladipo's got writing on the wall for, for what may happen with him. And like you mentioned, P.J. Tucker has basically been allowed to stay away from the team while they worry about moving him. And you've also mentioned Eric And he got Gordon. moved already. He did? Where did P.J. Tucker? Oh, that's right. P.J. Tucker's in Milwaukee. Yeah, he's in Milwaukee. He already played. He played the other night. I don't see that move pushing yeah, the needle. I mean, in Milwaukee's system, he definitely fits because you can stick him in the corner and he's going to give you the same productivity you always did. His versatility and switchability mm-hmm. on defense is always going to be great. I don't think he should start. Because I, I just think the way Milwaukee's no, structure doesn't make sense. Yeah, um, I don't think he's a push the needle guy, but I definitely, I definitely think he improves them just off the strength of them all of a sudden knowing how to wear the proper sneakers. Because PJ Tucker brings <laughs> that to your team. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave Washington out of this because because they've been actually winning games. Not only that, but the fact that I, I feel like Bradley Bill just. He deserves to be let breathe, you know, get some fresh air. His name gets talked about every time, you know, there's a, there's time for a team to talk about making a move at the deadline and the player that could, you know, bring them across the, the, the finish line and this, that, and third. And Bradley Bill has mm. never, never been outward about wanting to leave Washington. And I believe that we should just let that situation play itself out. Obviously, nobody is going to, not nobody, but the likelihood of somebody feeling like they need to grab Russell Westbrook <clears throat> is, is low. So I don't see much no of what way. Washington has on the cover. I don't see them giving up Rory for anybody. I don't see them um, giving up Denny. Bertans, no. And I don't see Bertans move. Yeah, Bertans contract Bertans probably. has got that mega deal. And even though he finally woke up and found his mojo, I guess he found the alien that bit him and worked out a deal to start getting his powers back because he has statistically and gradually improved over the course of the season, not to a level where his contract makes sense, but he's definitely getting his shooting numbers back to what they should be. So I I don't know. I mean, like you said, Washington's been winning. They probably are a fringe team. They were in the bubble last year. Their their ownership structure has always seemed to be more steered toward trying to win, even with they had the wall situation and all that. So I don't really see Washington Mm -hmm. as doing players in the who who, who can we let go and, and make a flip for type of deal. Um, Minnesota. I don't think Minnesota has many parts that they can move because everybody who they would want to move is a part of essentially their young core. So D'Lo's not likely going anywhere. Carl Anthony Towns is pretty much married to the franchise, and you just got Anthony Edwards, and he's shown flashes of his number one draft pick worth. Those are your best three assets. So if you're moving guys off that team, you're moving players that, like, I'm not going to say they don't push the needle, but like maybe Jared Culver gets free from that situation because he doesn't get any playing time now. Yeah, or but, Malik, Malik Beasley, maybe. Yeah, you got guys they like just that. Gave him a, they just gave him a bag. He like, got a deal. That, that, yeah, that, that might bag. show up your bench. They just give, give you money for bench. Now, let me ask you this. I'm, I'm actually just changing the channel to the game, but I wonder, and I don't see it likely, but the Spurs moving off of DeMar DeRozan since he's an expiring contract. Well, I think, I mean, we spoke about this. We spoke about this uh, at the beginning of the season. We spoke about it near the end of last season. Um, We won't know how good the Spurs can be or what direction they're truly headed as far as where they're trying to move until both LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan are gone. DeMar DeRozan is harder to move because he plays so hard. He does everything you ask for. He's not a defensive liability and he brings consistency. So mm-hmm. 
they've already agreed that they're going to try and find a trade partner for LaMarcus Aldridge. A lot of people have already shipped him to LA. I don't see him as being a good fit mm-hmm. for either of the two Lakers, either of the two Los Angeles teams, but you never know. You know, maybe somebody needs a mid-range shooting force, you know, non-floor spacing four-man who is mm-hmm. immobile on defense. Maybe there's a, you know, maybe there's a team that can hide him and, and make good use of his skills. You know, like he, he could, I can imagine him playing in Philadelphia, something like that. He's a good fit on the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. team that needs somebody to, to center your half court and spell your big half court threat like uh, Embiid. So, you know, you, you could plug LaMarcus Aldridge into that role where he could take up that same space in those same areas on the court. And he has the court vision to, you know, hit shooters if he gets double teamed and, you know, make the, make the right decisions. He turns over that left shoulder and shoots that fadeaway. You know, you guys might as well start jogging down the other side of the court. Um, mm-hmm. As far as DeMar DeRozan, yeah, I can he's see... such an enigma because the NBA is so yeah. much about space and jacking threes. What team really would want him? He plays the two. He doesn't defend threes I, well. But he doesn't shoot threes either. I, I know an only team I could say, but he could score. He averages over he averages twenty or more a game. You know what I mean? Consistent mm-hmm. for the last for pretty much his whole career. Now I could right, see but he this, took your I don't I know that's see that's the thing. And the Spurs are, you know, they're still the Spurs are still competing. They're still you know what they the seventh spot, but like in that division, I think they're first in their division. Yeah, they're first in the Southwest Division. Um, I think I would let me say this, and I don't know how I don't know how this would be a fit much, but I would not be surprised if the Knicks threw a bone at at the Spurs just to see if they bite. Because he's an expiring contract. If he doesn't work, cool. But I think he could be a a vital part piece that you could get that could provide that scoring that you need because the Knicks are a uh, a team that sometimes at, at times finds trouble scoring, consistent scoring. You bring in a consistent 20-point point scorer a game, that might move the needle for the Knicks if they're looking if they're looking to make the playoffs or move move up in the seedings. I think I think he brings the Knicks a couple of more wins. I think a, a guy like him possibly could have helped them win the game last night, you know what I mean? Because that's a guy that a you know at times could yeah he's a closer so um, I can see that not saying that, that they would do it because again like I said he's making twenty seven million dollars so you'd have to make salaries match and you'd have to trade some pieces if I'm the Knicks I'm not trading I'm What's not Kyle trading any uh, yes no, Kyle Lowry's number I think is ooh let me look that up real quick but he's pretty high too um, I want to believe he's like thirty remember he got that crazy. Um, yeah, but that deal, contract. I think that deal, I think he signed an extension for a short time for, I don't know, I think he's on a one-year deal, or maybe this is the final no, he's year. No, he's $30 million exactly this year. He's, old. he's an expiring meal. He got a lot of bread. I'm looking at Kyle Lowry, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, he's yo, pulled down close had, to 200 mil over his career. Yeah, the, actually, you know, this would be, he'd be one, at one over 180, uh, if you include the season right here. Yeah, he's pulled so, down yeah, no, no. So I could see, I could see, I, I could see, and I know it's gonna sound weird, but I could see a team like San Antonio, because of the nature of their franchise, sending Demar back home. It's not about what, whether what, or not Kyle Demar. Lowry? Yeah, if you get Kyle Lowry, you, you get veteran leadership. 
on a team that's, that's, that's trying to make a playoff run and he's an expiring contract. So he's a great influence on that locker room and those players because he's going to play the Spurs way. And the salary numbers are yeah. only different by $3 million. Now, it would be extremely ironic to see those players traded for each other. It would be very awkward mm-hmm. considering that Kyle Lowry's made it clear that his intention is to, no matter what happens with his career, he's going to retire a Raptor. But I think with where Toronto is going as a franchise, DeMar DeRozan fits again like he always did. Because if you – let's just temporarily remove Kyle Lowry from the equation. Now you've got Fred Van Vliet in the Kyle Lowry spot. You need a half-court mm-hmm. guy because, unfortunately, Siakam has proven his talents really only manifest in the full-court game. If you run the offense mm-hmm. on him, your offense doesn't really it – doesn't, it doesn't rev the way it used to. You've got OG Anobi, yeah. who's a great utility player, but he also isn't a great fundamental block to build off of your half-court offense. And you got a guy who is the mm-hmm. face of the franchise – and, you know, still is in his feelings about how he was let go. Who would probably be happy to go back and close out his career in Toronto and continue to help guys that he already knows. Because remember, Siakam was there when he got traded, and so was OG Ananobi. So, so you go back to these league. guys. Yeah. So you go back to all these guys that you know very well, and you probably take a favorable deal to finish out your career in Toronto because you already know that they'll trade you for they'll trade you for Kawhi Leonard in a heartbeat if you if 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 you don't exactly. play, if you don't act right if you don't, if you don't act right you know how the rest of the league feels about your game because you LaMarcus Aldridge and about like three or four other players you guys are like you're on isolation island you're like the last mm-hmm. of a dying breed you know yeah we could yeah. we could run a half court offense through you and what DeMar DeRozan has proven in San Antonio is that He's got the ability to draw and kick. He's got the ability to mm-hmm. post and kick. So he allows the Spurs to still be able to have shooters flanked out there. But the problem was you couldn't do that with both him and LaMarcus Aldridge on the court because one of those other guys has got to shoot a three. But yeah. you've got Pascal Siakam who will shoot a three. You've got Fred Van Vliet who loves shooting threes. And you also got OG Ananobi who has no problem shooting threes from the corner. So you go well, ahead you got, and um, you reintroduce. Powell, who they've been, um, he's, been, he's been starting the whole season. Yeah, Norman Powell is a great so, player. I mean, great player, but he's he's a great role player. But I don't think yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's he's NBA level starting two guard. He's what they have for now until they figure something out. Again, mm-hmm. let's just all I, because I preemptively said it. Not be surprised if somehow, some way, within now or the next twelve calendar months, Demar Derozan winds up back in Toronto. Let's not just be surprised. It's a possibility. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I feel yeah, like I, I, can see. I, I feel like both both player and franchise wouldn't be so far against it because Toronto's in, in an awkward place right now. If they bottom out, which it looks like they're, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs or they're going to be very close to the play-in situation, they're not going to get yeah. a great draft pick where they can just say, all right, well, we can reload. But guess what? All of our best players are 24, 25 and better. Siakam is 25, if not mm-hmm. older. And Anobi might be the youngest of that core three. So, yeah, you add back another yeah. veteran – who's learned how to win a different way in San Antonio after being traded for not knowing how to win in Toronto, a fan favorite. The writing is all, you know, it it sounds really nice. You know, you know, it warms the heart, the idea that the prodigal son might be able to go home. I can see San Antonio because San Antonio has, has definitely been one of the few franchises that does favors for players as they send them out. 
So I could see them because whatever mm-hmm. they're trying to work out for LaMarcus Aldridge, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be a situation where he's in uh, Minnesota. What about you know what uh, Rudy Gay? When we talk about the Spurs, Rudy Gay's in the last. He's he's an expiring contract too. Who was a bench Rudy player? But again, he's for life. Maybe remember, he's been on. Is, he came. He came. He came to San Antonio with half an Achilles. Yeah, and they allow him to remodel himself as not only a three who went to start playing small ball four, but then he also shifted to playing small ball five for them. So he redefined yeah. who he was as a player to fit into the San Antonio culture. And those utility guys, you know, like the Derek McKees of the world and all that, those guys mm-hmm. always wind up on somebody's team playing when it matters. So if he doesn't elect to re-up with San Antonio, then I can imagine him, you know, sitting on like a Milwaukee or somebody else's team and, and having valuable minutes in, in random times of important games. Rudy Gay is, mm-hmm. was one of my favorite players. I'm not saying he's no longer one of my favorite players, but the Rudy Gay that I knew and and was always a fan of, he didn't come back that way, you know, and it's unfortunate because that's that that's a big time reminder of what an Achilles tear can do to a player. But um who else is out there? Who else is out there on, on these losing franchises? What what other franchises out there are, are far removed from the playoffs that we haven't discussed? Uh, I mean again, we look, Andre Drummond is the elephant in the room. I don't know if he's going to get bought out um, on the Cleveland. Um, you got, I mean, you know, maybe maybe the Pelicans move on from J.J. Redick and um, the possibility of Lonzo. You know, that's the rumor. You just don't know. Uh, you're looking at, um, you know, a team like uh, Detroit, but I don't think there's anybody on Detroit that you're willing to, to trade for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's they're, 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 them freeing Derrick Rose was probably the last significant. I mean, move. yeah, because I don't see them get, I don't see no team getting um, Grant because they just signed him to a big contract. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't think it's about the contract um, side. I think it's about the fact that, like, if you trade away Jeremy Grant, that's your franchise player currently. Mm-hmm. That being said, you guys don't have one of the best records in the league, but he's still the best player on your team. You're not going to yeah. get anybody to take that Plumlee contract. Um, you, you, you know, maybe make the Wayne. Jackson. Yes, uh, I'm yeah, looking at that roster. Like there's that. not much to move the needle. There's not really much to move the needle over there in Detroit as far as what they have. Um, as we no. go into these last few minutes, though, I wanted to segue into what I preluded to before, which is um, this time of season, this part of the year is when you find out how hard players were really playing. And like you alluded to, Blake Griffin let the cat out the bag. He mm-hmm. let the cat out the all bag. All of a sudden, you could dunk now. Ain't dunking two now, years. All of a sudden, you could dunk now. Now, I didn't see this dunk. I'm going to watch it after we do the podcast to get to take into stock because you know I've been diligently watching Blake Griffin's movement, and it looked like he was dragging a dead leg for the last two seasons in Detroit. It literally looked like his left leg was just attached to his body, but he had no feeling in it. Now, he did recently come out and say because they were publishing. You and I, we used to laugh and joke about the meme we shared between each other where you didn't know you had sent it to me, and I, and I was like, yo, you sent me this already. Remember, dunk, he hadn't dunked since, what, 2019? Yeah, 2019. That, yeah. Got, that got back to Blake Griffin. And Blake Griffin said, I can still dunk. I still dunk. Mm-hmm. And here you are. You're in Brooklyn. He said, I'm just going to dunk for a winning franchise. That's all. 
So it leads me to wonder what percentage level was Blake Griffin giving them? Because they were still playing him. He was averaging 12 points a game, shooting poorly. He wasn't dunking. Mm-hmm. Now you go to Brooklyn, and I guess the burden has been lifted from your leg. Or, again, yeah. this is just, again, a reminder of player empowerment and player power. I'm going to play hard in a situation where I'm happy. And it's very important that franchises are aware of this. You have to be aware of the mental state of the players that you are cutting these checks for. Because you never know what they're holding back from you simply because they're unhappy. Now, Blake Griffin's situation, I don't know if it was unhappy because I never was going to have a chance to win in Detroit, so I'm going to take it, or I'm not going to go hard anymore in Detroit because when I did, I got hurt, and then when I came back, Mm -hmm. it still wasn't right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't think it was a situation where Blake Griffin and Detroit are sour or mad at each other, but I think Blake Griffin did make a business decision and, and we're starting to see that. Mm-hmm. Now, if Blake Griffin catches a poster in between now and our next podcast, we might have to go live. <laughs> because I'm, we, we yeah. might have to go live. If Blake Griffin goes out there and dunks on somebody and like the ball's at the square, that's a level yeah. of self-tanking that has never been pulled off before in NBA history. Even what James Harden did with the, you know, with the fat guy and yeah, I'll still give you a triple-double, but it'll be the most inconsequential, no, no impact on a win triple-double that he was doing for the Rockets until they finally traded him. I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about players essentially basically getting a pass to mail it in? Or mailing it in Listen. and we not knowing that they're mailing it in? Listen, I I don't know. I mean, I think again, I think nowadays with t- with today's NBA, man. I mean, but the sad part, look, okay, the sad part is, is this: teams do it all the time. Teams Absolutely. do it all the time. They, they so you. so it's almost like cats is just giving them a taste of their own medicine, saying, "Look, you know what? I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of doing being a part of this franchise. This ain't working." You know, and I'm, I'm I'm packing it in. I'm not going to give you because you know what? I know my contract's guaranteed. I know at this point I can't go anywhere, so I'm not going to give you my all. I'm just going to go through the motions. Just not get hurt. Avoid getting hurt. Or if I feel a little sore, I'm going to sit out. And then that way when I when I am moved, all of a sudden, I'm good. I mean, i.e. Uh, James Harden. You know, everybody looked like he gained like he had a fat suit on. And then once he got out, all of a sudden, now he's in the contention for MVP in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, wait a second, man. You you, you look like you was 300 pounds in one game. Now you back to 185, like, all over a course of, like, yeah, where you, do that? you know, two games. Exactly. So, yeah. what, you know what I mean? So, But teams do that all the time. Teams decide to go in a different direction or they want to go younger. And you out there giving your all. So, you know what? I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as upset about it as I maybe I was when I was younger, or now that you see that that's like kind of the norm. But when you you when we've both watched basketball and we've been fans of this game long enough to see that players are just giving it, the teams a case, uh, a case of their own medicine, a taste of their mm-hmm. own medicine. And again, teams are, and they have certain teams where they say, "Yo, we're gonna strap up. Yo, we're gonna get every player we can get. Yo." 
DeAndre Jordan, your, your boy's Blake. All right, I'll talk to Blake. I can get Blake to come through to us. Boom, you know, blah, blah, blah. This person is that. This person is this. You know what I mean? And, and Cash is just doing it that way. Yo, LeBron, you know, who you want to play with? Oh, I need, this, I need this person. I need that person. All right, let's see what we could do. I'm going to sit out. I'm going to finally get my contract. I'm going to try to make it work. I mean, but shout, out to, the Brooklyn, shout out to Brooklyn Nets, you know, a.k.a. the Cleveland, Oklahoma City Clippers. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite yeah, amazing it's... that they could take the greater parts of of two different franchises' key runs and put them all on one roster. Yeah. Granny guys got, got older. And... Court, you got the Clippers front court from what was their era called? The uh, Lob City. You got the Lob City front court. Mm-hmm. You got the dual court MVPs. Mm-hmm. And you got Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Brooklyn has to win. They have to win. Yeah. Are oh, they allowed the to lose the NBA title? Only way they're allowed to lose the NBA title is KD doesn't come back. I don't even know if that gives them a pass. I think. Start I think. I think. Let me say this. You start Blake. No, 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 I think. I, I. I. Let me say this. I think they get a pass from not winning the title if KD's not there. But I think it's conference conference finals at the bare minimum. If if you, even if you don't have KD, you have to be in the conference finals. But if you don't have KD, then people are gonna be like, "Well, they didn't have KD." Hey, yeah, okay, you know. But again, I, actually, it might be NBA Finals because I really don't see unless unless Joel Embiid is super healthy, I don't see them. That's the only team Brooklyn I see is them on the clock to go to the Finals, bro. And the I'm only pass saying, they yeah. get, the only pass they get is if they lose the Finals and KD doesn't play. That is it. The barometer yeah. has been set. Uh, you cannot. You yeah, cannot get, on get, paper. Diagnose that have, team and compare them to yeah. any other team in the East and say, "Oh well, don't be surprised if Philly pulls it out." Philly is not stacked the way Brooklyn is. Nah, we already know true. that Boston is playing yeah, for full gold, and you yeah. know all of the other also Milwaukee. Well, nobody Milwaukee's already got a pass. They, exactly, Milwaukee's already got a pass. They already have a pass. It is Brooklyn or bust. And I'm not saying that to put yeah. pressure on Brooklyn Nets fans or even on that franchise. It's just from a basketball intellect perspective, you cannot have that roster and have an expectation of anything other than the NBA Finals and be sane. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah you're right. I give you that. I totally give you that. With or without KD, because we've seen how James and Kyrie play together. So, yes, I totally get that. And like you said, like you said, they. They just stacked up. And again, we don't know if there's nobody else on the buyout market that they they get. You know what I mean? Because let's be honest, let's just I go wasn't over, expecting... Before we, before we close out, mm-hmm. let's just go over their roster. You can pull it up, but I'm going to name players that I know when it's money time, I'm nervous as a fan. Joe Harris. TLC. DeAndre Jordan, anywhere in midair. <laughs> Kyrie Irving. Well, you know that. That's James Harden. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even mentioning Blake. They got the left-handed kid who played him in um in um 
in Miami with Tyler Johnson and then went to Tyler Phoenix. Johnson. Mm-hmm. He goes off. Don't they have Landry Shamit over there? Shamit's over there. They got they even got old man Jeff Green who will pull a clock. I was back about to say and, Jeff Green. Give... Jeff Green will pull a double double out of nowhere, and it'll be a double double that'll close out a a, a, a playoff game. Old man Green yeah. is real. Yeah. And if you just go through those players that we list, and I didn't even list Blake Griffin because Blake Griffin's postseason resume isn't even all that great. And we uh, all know that DeAndre Jordan is a one-trick pony, but that one-trick pony, that one trick that he does, come playoff time, is a very valuable trick. Yeah. Those loose balls that go yeah. flying in the air that he can corral and finish, and teams are going to be doing foolish-ass double teams on Kyrie and James Harden, rotating from places mm-hmm. they shouldn't. He's going to feast. Yep. He's going to feast. Mm-hmm. So, again, I don't, I don't see Brooklyn in a position to say, oh, well, we're going to wait and see. And then, no, y'all collaboration got to work this year. No, and, the, and, the, and, the table's, and, the, and the table is kind of set because if you get the best team in the West in the finals, playing Utah. Utah oh, got the firepower to deal with that. Not even close. And no disrespect, no disrespect to Utah, no disrespect to Donovan Mitchell. Phenomenal player. Listen, Phenomenal you can't player. say no disrespect and then say something disrespectful. But I'm not saying disrespect. <laughs> I'm just saying. Nah, I know when you what go you mean. gun for gun. When you go gun for gun, yeah. they don't have that. There's no, there's no fire. Yeah, there's no firepower at all. Well, what you say? Yeah, oh, we got a left-handed dominant scorer. Well, we've got Joe Ingles. She didn't. Yeah, right. Come on, man. That ain't. We, we got a point guard who's one of the best at the rim finishers. We've got Mike Conley Jr. No. We've got we've got a paint presence who can finish, defend, and has done it for multiple teams in in clutch situations. We got Rudy Gobert, two time defensive player of the year. Mm, we've got nope. one of the best shooters. In NBA history, shooting over 50% from three-point land. You got Jordan Clarkson. Bruh. Let's be real. <laughs> Let's be real here. And we could go through other teams in the West and stack them up against Brooklyn. Brooklyn has the most ready-to-go talent when healthy roster right now in the league. Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah, has to You can put the healthy yeah. Lakers up against them. Brooklyn is at least two notches above. You can put the healthy Clippers up against them. Brooklyn is at least two notches above. There's no team mm-hmm. with that level of connection of collection of talent. Is Brooklyn a bust? Now, do I see Philadelphia as a team that could take them out? Yeah, because there's nobody who can do anything with Embiid. Yeah. But beyond that, I don't see really any other one. LeBron, okay, fine. He's proven come playoff time. He could put the cape on, turn back the hand of time, and take a team out. Do I think he could still do it? Probably. Do I think he would be able to do it against that Brooklyn team? Hell no. Mm-hmm. Hell no. Yeah, I think you said healthy, you said that healthy team, KD? Yeah, that's it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Yeah, healthy yeah. KD is a wrap. Yeah, hey, LeBron's got to deal be, with let's that alone. Let, let's, be, let's be clear. A healthy KD that just give them a healthy Nets team. Yeah, go give him. Go give. That's an embarrassment go, of Richard. Embarrassment. Yeah, just go give him the title. Go. I mean, again, yeah, you have to. 
It, that, Let's those put it like this. Just be fighting over who's going to be finals MVP. That's all it Let's is. Let's put it like this. Let's put it like this. Golden State won a championship with Steph Curry as the point guard. So a point guard who was dynamic and could score from anywhere on the court. Kyrie's already matched him. Did it in the finals. Mm-hmm. Golden State trotted out a three-point shooter who was one of the league's elite in Clay Thompson and gave you NBA first-team level defense. Well, the Nets got like two or three guys who played NBA first-team level defense off the bench. Was it the kid Brown? Oh, my God, he's a pest. And TLC, Uh pest. And to replace the shooting, they got Joe Harris. Uh They trotted out Harrison Barnes at their three spot. We haven't even yeah. mentioned James Harden yet. Exactly. Come on, man. Come on, man. If mm-hmm. LeBron has to play against that team in the finals, that team is better on paper than the Golden State team that beat him twice in a row. Oh, oh yeah. Saying it right now. Saying it right now. But on yeah, that note, Golden we State didn't have that pinch. Yeah. They they did not. They did not. They did not have that combination of, of veteran and proven talent and, and just accolades down the door. Like, I mean, if the announcers have to introduce the Brooklyn Nets starting roster and name all the awards that they won, the, the introduction is going to take like 10 minutes. Six-time scoring champion, five-time MVP. Man, listen. On that note, we're going to wrap it up. As always, we like to say thank you to our listeners, supporters, and subscribers. If you would like to join us in the movement, you can do so by leaving us a voice note on any of the podcasting platforms we are hosted on. You can also reach us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Facebook and Instagram. And on that note, say peace.